SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to give you our Major League Baseball picks for today. We also are going through the SEC futures market and we'll cap off the show with former odds maker Dave Sherapin, who's all over the grid. First, it's our West Coast wake up. We're going to take you back to what happened yesterday in Major League Baseball. The all star for the Padres, uh, Slam Diego Padres, I like to call them, especially when this player's on it. Fernando Tatis Jr. hits two home runs yesterday, currently minus 220 for the National League MVP. No surprise considering this player has gone on the IL multiple times this year because his shoulder has fallen off his arm and he has continued to come back off the IL and hit home runs. It's unbelievable what this player is doing, Ben. It is absolutely insane what Fernando Tatis Jr. is doing right now, that you come back from a shoulder injury that you need to swing a baseball bat and he comes back and in the only game he's ever played right field in his major league baseball career he hits two home runs so much for the Bryce Harper winning National League MVP market we thought we had the movement on no it seems like it's Fernando Tontis Jr.'s right now minus 280 it's just a question now Ariel is he back in enough time to make sure the Padres hold on to that second and final NL wild card spot Tatis Jr. says he thinks so, despite this team being 10 games back of the San Francisco Giants for first place of the National League West. Tatis says this team's just heating up. We're going to bounce back. Uh, uh, I'm totally confident on my teammates and the work that I brought this year and the work ethic that I put this year. And, uh, you know, I feel like this is baseball. It's going to bring you up. It's going to bring you down. You just got to find a way how to, you know, how to ride that wave and, you know, just bring it together as a team every single day. The Padres still are in that second wild card spot, as Ben alluded to. They're two and a half games up on the Cincinnati Reds. The Dodgers are six games up in the wild card race. So the Dodgers probably in the wild card game, unless they somehow manage to win the National League West. Yet, so it's the Dodgers and the Padres, which would be so much fun, considering these two teams have been the most fun rivalry to watch in baseball this year. Ben, looking at how these odds look in the National League West, the, Do- the Giants are at minus 135 to win the division. The Dodgers are at plus 100 the Padres down there on the list at 50 to 1 to win the division still in that wild card race though what are your thoughts with Tatis in the lineup for this Padres team well Tatis is going to do wonderful things for this offensive lineup without him the last couple of weeks specifically the last two weeks the Padres had the 10th worst offense in all of Major League Baseball. But we also highlighted San Diego heading into the year because of their pitching staff. Now, you Darvish has struggled here as of late. He is once again on the IL. Joe Musgrove threw a no-hitter early on in the year. 
but he hasn't always been that stellar. And you look at Blake Snell, who was the biggest of their offseason acquisitions, and it has not been the greatest start to his San Diego Padre career. Even Ryan Weathers, who was a guy that was young and was going to be out there pitching well, well, he has struggled. He's on the mound tonight against the Colorado Rockies in Coors Field. So I have some questions about this starting staff for San Diego, obviously adding Fernando Tontis Jr. and all of his power and pop and excitement back to the offensive lineup makes them a lot better. The NOS still, in my mind, is the San Francisco Giants division to lose. I think they probably hold on to it. I think the Padres focused, obviously, on keeping that second and final NL wildcard spot for a one-game showdown with the Los Angeles Dodgers. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, happy hour on the morning after. It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. It's our West Coast wake-up segment detailing what happened over the weekend for the NL West teams, focusing on the San Diego Padres and getting Fernando Tatis Jr. back. It's interesting to me, Ariel, when you look at the National League pennant market right now, the Padres have the tied for fifth shortest odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook with the Atlanta Braves at plus 1,200. The Phillies are above them. The Brewers are above them. The Giants and the Dodgers. It's interesting to have the Phillies ahead of the Braves, although the Braves are the favorites to win the National League East in that division. And the Padres, I still think, have some value at plus 1,200. It is certainly one of the largest numbers we have seen on the Padres all year long in Major League Baseball. Talking about the Dodgers, the Dodgers ended up beating the Mets. They swept the Mets at City Field over the weekend and came up with a huge 14-4 win yesterday. The Dodgers led 4-0 in the second inning yesterday. Entering play, the Dodgers have 48 wins in which they've never trailed this season, which is the most in Major League Baseball. Pretty much, if the Dodgers aren't trailing, they usually are winning. And I know that sounds like it should be the case, but then you look to a team like the Yankees who just continue to blow games in the ninth inning. So, no, it's not that easy, even if you have a lead. And the Dodgers have the most wins in Major League Baseball by never trailing in a game. The Dodgers also had Max Scherzer on the mound yesterday. And, Ben, the pitching coach for the Dodgers, he's only three years older than Scherzer is. And his last time pitching was 2006. It's just crazy what Scherzer is able to do yesterday getting that win over the Mets as well. That pitching coach, Mark Pryor, everybody remembers him from his Cubs days when he was probably pitching against Max Scherzer. So to have Max Scherzer out there performing in the way he did, the Dodgers defense a little bit shaky on Sunday night baseball last night, but obviously nothing really to complain about when you sweep the team in New York and the Dodgers have been dominant in City Field. I think they've won 21 of their last 25 against the Mets in New York. They have been great. Still four games back in the NL West, but the largest positive run differential in all of Major League Baseball, the Dodgers hold. Plus 193. So LA getting it done. And like you mentioned, Ariel, not relinquishing too many big leads. Coming up next, we are going to switch over into college football. Even though we do like to call Ben Big Ten Ben, he is going to touch on the SEC win totals. Stay here on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to go through the SEC win totals now. And what we've been doing here on the show, we've been taking the win totals and putting them up against match bets. For example, Alabama's win total on FanDuel is 11.5. We're going to put it up against Arkansas, who's at 5.5, plus Mississippi State at 6. Who's going to have more wins at that point? Alabama alone or Arkansas and Mississippi State combined? Ben, where are you going here? So, Ariel, let's start with Alabama, of course, the reigning national champions. Nick Saban got the boys back. Everybody's feeling good in Tuscaloosa once again. The AP poll, the first one, the preseason AP poll, comes out in just about 45 minutes or so at noon Eastern. I think you can expect to see Alabama ranked number one in the country. Their win total is also tied for the highest mark on the FanDuel Sportsbook at 11.5. It's tied with Clemson. Clemson has more juice on the under at minus 130. Bama's is minus 125. Thus, I guess you could say Alabama has the best win total mark on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's look at their schedule. And I think week one is very evident for how the book sees Alabama's schedule going this year. Because they play Miami. And Miami, in that AP poll that will come out in just about 45 minutes, is going to be a top 20, maybe even a top 15 team with De'Ara King back for the Hurricanes. And yet Alabama is an 18.5-point favorite against who might be a top 15 foe. So that goes to show you that Alabama is probably going to be favored by at least 10 points in every game they play this year. So when you look at their win total of 11.5 and you look at their schedule overall, they do have some tough road games, a crossover matchup on the road at Florida. They have Texas A&M on the road who will be good in the SEC West and then to end the year in the Iron Bowl on the road at Auburn. But they get Ole Miss and LSU at home. So even if Alabama goes under their team win total of 11.5, it's just going to be by 11. I think they have a good chance of going unbeaten. If anything, 11 is, I think, the floor for how many games Alabama wins this year. Yes, it's a new quarterback. Yes, it's a new running back. Yes, we have to replace Devontae Smith, the Heisman wide receiver out there. I get all of that. But Alabama reloads. John Mechie, the guys they have coming back in the backfield, they are as stocked and as loaded as they have been in many, many years. And Bryce Jones is going to be that guy at the quarterback position as well. So Alabama will be fine. Their defense is going to be good. They were top in scoring defense in the SEC. This could be one of the best Bama defenses we've seen in the past five years. So I think if they don't go over their team win total and they go just 11 games, they are going to win 11 games this year. So then you look at Arkansas and then you look at Mississippi state arkansas won three sec games last year in the first year under their new head coach in sam Pittman. they had won just four in the previous four years before 2020 so things are brighter in fayetteville than they have been in a while they should win three of their four non-conference games but they also do play texas and then their sec games are very difficult they have to play at georgia at ole miss at lsu at alabama and at missouri in the other crossover with the sec east the under has more juice for Arkansas. It's only minus 115 as opposed to minus 105 to the over. But I lean the under on Arkansas's team win total of five and a half as well. So finally, we focus on the pirate ship, Mike Leach in the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The over has the juice for their team win total of six, but I don't really see them going over. Their non-conference slate is tough. 
NC State, who we are both very high on, Ariel and myself, and Memphis, a Memphis team that won eight games last year in 2020 in 12 games in 2019. Their crossover schedule isn't the worst for Mississippi State. When you look at the SEC West, they go on, or SEC East, rather, they go on the road to Vanderbilt. That should probably be a win. And then also Kentucky. And they have LSU, Bama, and Ole Miss at home for Mississippi State. But the games that will decide this team win total for Mike Leach and company at Arkansas and at Auburn. I lean the under of Arkansas and the under of Mississippi State, which means I probably put them combined at most 10 wins. Thus, I give the edge to Alabama here in at least 11 wins for the Crimson Tide, if not a perfect 12-0 season for Nick Saban and company. Perfect 12-0. Another question really is how perfect? Is it perfect where they start covering a lot of spreads too? A lot of these spreads with Alabama right. are always 30-point spreads to start the season, Ben. How do you approach those types of lines? Well, I think week number one, if you're high on the Miami Hurricanes and you think De'Ara King can give Alabama some fits to that defensive backfield that needs to learn a little bit, they're replacing Patrick Sertan back there, then maybe you think Miami covers. I would lean with Miami, who, again, will be a top 15 or top 20 team covering an 18-and-a-half-point spread in a neutral site game against Alabama. But when you look at Alabama throughout the duration of the year, and you're going to see some of those big spreads. Week number three, they have Florida. It's probably going to be at least double digits. Maybe you lean with some of those better teams, and you wait to see, can Alabama be as good as we expect them to be? Because there are a lot of holes to fill. A new quarterback, a new running back, a new offensive coordinator in there, and Bill O'Brien replacing Steve Sarkeesian. Maybe it takes them a little time to gel into where they are blowing out teams and maybe not covering those spreads. So that's where I'd be if you're looking to fade Alabama. If you look at their team win total, though, of 11.5, you might lean the under. It has the juice, but it's not going to be much worse than 11. So I think Alabama wins 11 or possibly 12 games in the regular season. It just goes to show what will happen in the SEC championship game against the winner of the SEC East, who I believe will be Georgia. Speaking of that, we're going to go with Georgia. Ten and a half wins versus Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Kentucky is at seven, Vanderbilt at three and a half. So is Georgia at ten and a half wins going to have more than Kentucky and Vanderbilt combined? So Georgia's juice is to the over of that ten and a half, minus 120. It is the same for Kentucky's over on that seven-team win total. Vandy's three and a half. The juice is even both ways. So let's start with Georgia, whose start to the season is very difficult. They take on Clemson week number one. They are a three-and-a-half-point underdog for that game. But the rest of the schedule isn't too bad for the Georgia Bulldogs. The crossovers with the SEC West are just Arkansas and Auburn, two teams that will be towards the bottom or middle of the pack of that division. They get Kentucky and Missouri at home. They don't have to play Alabama until that SEC title game. And when you look at Georgia and Alabama, Alabama is the favorite to win the SEC, and rightfully so, at minus 160. UGA, the second shortest odds, at plus 190. But to win their respective divisions, they have the same odds. Heavy minus money favorites, both Georgia and Alabama, to win the SEC West and or SEC East and West, respectively, at minus 450 to win their division. So I think Georgia is likely to go over their team win total of 10.5. I think they can win 11 games. In fact, Clemson's on upset alert week number one. Just saying. When you look at Kentucky, though, and you look at Vanderbilt, I think Kentucky can win eight games this year. I think Kentucky's over of their team win total is my favorite 
in the SEC. So if Georgia wins 10 or 11 games, if Kentucky gets to eight or maybe even nine, I think they can challenge this combined metric because when you have Kentucky paired with Vanderbilt, although Vanderbilt's not going to be very good this year, they could win all four of their non-conference games. And I know that's crazy to say, but we'll know pretty early on because four of those first five weeks are the non-conference slate for Vanderbilt. And I think they can win all four of those games. They have teams like UConn on that slate. They have opportunities to win in the non-conference. Their most winnable SEC games, Mississippi State at home, South Carolina on the road, and at Tennessee. But if you're going to give me Kentucky at eight, and I think Vandy can win four games, even if Georgia wins 11, I think the combination of Kentucky and Vanderbilt win more games than the Dogs. Ooh, okay. So now that we have Georgia and Alabama, who you are now saying are still your favorites to win its respective divisions, who's going to have the better season? I'm assuming you're going to go with Alabama. I'm going to go with Georgia. I think Georgia will pull the upset right now in the SEC championship game come the first weekend of December, but both SEC teams will be in the college football playoff. That is my prediction as I see things right now here on the spot. Okay, interesting, because Georgia has not had the best history against Alabama, especially of late with uh, (laughs) choking. But coming up next, we are going to talk some Major League Baseball, and we're going to break down some strikeout props. We've got our early leans of the day. So stay right here on the grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to the Major League Baseball card, which means we're going to the props. It's time for K-Props. Today's tricky. Oh, I'm not a huge fan of today's K-Prop slate. There is a pitcher that stood out to me, and it's the Chicago Cubs facing the Cincinnati Reds. You've got to go against Mm. the Cubs nowadays when it comes to strikeout props. The starter for the Reds is Wade Miley. 24 of the last 30 starting pitchers have had five strikeouts or more against the Cubs. You could thank mid-major Matt, friend of the program, who comes on the show and breaks down K-Props for us. That trend is something you got to keep an eye on because the Cubs have the highest K rate in baseball currently, striking out just under 26% of the time. Haven't seen Miley's K prop come out just yet. He's not that consistent when it comes to strikeout props, which is why it's hard for me because when you look at how, who he's played, he's faced the Cubs multiple times this year and hasn't hit this this strikeout prop of five or more strikeouts. This trend has not applied to Miley. The last time he faced the Cubs, he only had two strikeouts. He had three to start before mm. that. I don't know what it is about the Cubs and Wade Miley and why he can't strike them out as often as everyone else can. That's my only trepidation about this. I don't know what the number is. I didn't see Fandle post it before our show came on. Do you want to know? But it is know? a trend to keep in mind. Yeah, what is it? Five and a half. 
The under is minus 160. Mm -hmm. Do you want any part of that? No. No. I want no, no part in that. Terrible. I don't terrible. want any part in that. Absolute I don't know. What, what, stood out, what stood out to you today, Ben? Let's start there. The Wade Miley K-Prop against the Chicago Cubs because Enough 24 of, of the You're last 30. The 24 of the last 30 pitchers to have five or more strikeouts against the Cubs is one of the strongest trends you will see. And to give us a five and a half on Wade Miley it? with the under minus 160, I just it upsets me. It really upsets me because the Cubs over the past two weeks have the He'll highest K rate in all of Major League Baseball. He's going to have five. He's going to have yeah. five. You know he's going to have five. And that for Wade Miley would not be bad because he has not gone over this number of five and a half only once in his last eight starts. Has he gone over this number of five and a half? You brought up the two that he had against the Cubs at the end of July on July 26th. That's not that long ago. Last two weeks, the Cubs have the highest K rate in Major League Baseball against left-handers, 29.4%. Another area I was looking for a strikeout prop was at my guy Frankie Montas. And I'm oh, a little bit upset with the FanDuel Sportsbook yet again because the number stinks. We're on the same it page. really stinks. I mean, it just is so... When you think you have an edge, here's my biggest thing. I can understand the Wade Miley thing because the Cubs suck. And they have sucked for quite some time. They've been a top 10 strikeout team all year long, even, even when Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez and Chris Bryant were there. And you were still able to fade them in the strikeout prop market. And they have really continued to suck right now. So I understand you're going to get an inflated number on Wade Miley and take away the profitability. But what angers me, Ariel, is when you think you might have a small edge on the market at this point of the year in the middle part of August with a strikeout prop on a pitcher that you have loved and they take it away from you. Because Frankie Montas of the Oakland Athletics is going up against the Chicago White Sox today. The White Sox have one of the best records in the American League. They lead the AL Central by 10 games. But here as of late, since the All-Star break, the White Sox are striking out a lot more. The ninth highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitching at 24% since the All-Star break. That has actually gone up to 25.4% in the past three weeks. You compare that with where the White Sox were prior to the All-Star break. The 19th highest strikeout rate at only 23% against right-handed pitching prior to the All-Star break. So I thought, okay, the White Sox, despite being a good team, one of the best in the American League, the second shortest odds to win the American League pennant, maybe there's a small edge here we can have with our guy Frankie Montas, who has gone over this number that FanDuel posted at 7.5. That leaves me shaking my head with the under-juiced to minus 146 because Frankie Montas has gone over 7.5 in four of his last six starts, and he has had four starts against teams that rank in the top 11 in strikeout rate versus right-handed pitching since the All-Star break. Twice against the Cleveland Indians, he had seven strikeouts and six strikeouts, so not over this number. But against the, or against the Angels and against the Mariners, Frankie Montas had 10 strikeouts each in those two starts. So I thought maybe we'd get a five and a half, a six and a half against the White Sox team. That's very good. No, a seven and a half, the under minus 146. I am upset. Here's why, though. I'll tell you. Because I the only thing I was hoping for was that we'd get a juiced over six and a half. He's averaging just over seven strikeouts per game against teams with a top 15 K rate against right-handed pitchers. When I did all the math of all the teams this season that rank inside that top 15 against righties, because that's where the White Sox are overall this year. They're 13th against righties overall. These batters are striking out at a clip of just over seven. So the number is spot on. 7.3 is the exact number against righties with a top 15 K rate. 
that's what's so frustrating. It's just a spot-on number, and these strikeout props keep getting more and more spot-on as we get closer to September. They were so much better a month or two ago. He's probably the only one I would take today, Frankie Montas. It's plus money to the over. He can do it. It's a spot-on number at 7.5, so I would probably say take it, plus money to the over. It's probably the only strikeout prop I'll go for because the other trend that we saw was in Colorado that mid-major Matt gave out. In Colorado, you're seeing that 50 of 59 opposing starting pitchers have had five strikeouts or less when playing in Coors Field. Unfortunately, the strikeout prop for the Padres starter Ryan Weathers today is at three and a half. And I just really have no interest in betting on someone that might have four strikeouts on the day. Speaking of, I do like the Colorado Rockies today, plus one and a half. On the run line this year, when the Rockies are booked as a road as a home underdog, the Rockies are cashing at just under 70% as a home dog on the run line. The Rockies have also gone four and two straight up this year when playing the Padres at home. Even though it's eight and eight straight up against San Diego in general, the Rockies and Padres have played well in Colorado when the Rockies are at home. San Diego's starting pitcher Ryan Weathers is 0-3 against the Rockies this year. Colorado has won five straight games with today's starting pitcher Antonio Santatella on the mound. I'm gonna say, Rockies, run line, give me the plus one and a half. It's only minus 132 on FanDuel, Ben. I really like that. Ryan Weathers, by the way, has lost three straight starts for the Padres, struggling a little bit. And in four of his last six starts, he has gone under the K-prop number that is posted for him today at three and a half. But even if you wanted the under, it's minus 174. And we don't pay unders at minus 174 of a strikeout prop of three only and a half. NFL Here's another area. Just kidding. Well, yeah, unders for NFL preseason. <laughs> Don't even get me going. I mean, I could be very excited by some NFL preseason bets, unlike I am right now with K-Props for this Monday of action in Major League Baseball. But here's another area I look at this game, because as you scan the Major League Baseball card today, you will see the total for this game between the Padres and the Rockies at Coors Field at 12 and a half. I think there's a common misconception at times. And yes, at altitude, there is some scoring at Coors Field. We know that. We know it is a hitters-friendly ballpark. But when you look at the Rockies, they actually have the eighth highest under percentage, the eighth highest under percentage at home this year at 54.4% of their games hitting to the under at Coors Field. Now, the Padres have a pretty high over percentage as an away team this year, the sixth highest in all of Major League Baseball at 56.4%. But since the All-Star break, when you look at games at Coors Field, the Rockies have played 11 games at home since the All-Star break. Seven of those 11 games would be under this total at 12.5. I think when you see that number at 12.5, you have that posted, and that takes into account Coors Field. And I think you could also look at the Rockies having the eighth highest under percentage at home this year at more than 54%. And I'm sure that's baked into the ideas that the numbers you see for Rockies games and those totals are already high. So when they add up to 10 or 11 runs and it's still going under, it's not so much an indication that runs aren't scored. It's that the numbers are too high. But I think you're also, again, getting a number today at 12 and a half. So you have to have some stones to take an under of a Coors Field game. But that's where I would lean today when you see a 12 and a half that feels too high for a Rockies team at home this year that's very good. And again, 54.4% of their games so far this year for the Rockies hit at the under at home. I'm going with another run line today. I'm taking the Miami Marlins on the run line also. Hear me out. I know I sound a little crazy. Miami on the run line in division matchups 
hitting at just over 61%. Miami on the run line as a home dog, hitting at just over 59%. I'm going to say that the Miami Marlins at plus one and a half against their division foes, the Atlanta Braves, could cash in on this run line bet. Lastly, if you were to give the Marlins a plus one and a half on the run line in every game they've played the Braves this year, They'd be 11-2 and two on the run line. They have cashed in in 11 of their 13 games at a plus 1.5 against the Braves this season. Miami's playing them well. Everyone's going to be riding this Braves hot streak. I'm not. I'm going to go contrarian and take the Marlins plus 1.5, Ben. I love that we have our guest, Dave Sherapan, coming up here in just I mere moments. He's sportsbook conciliary. And he has been just on the screen. We can't hear him, but we can see his facial expressions and reactions. And when you gave that stat, the Marlins against the Braves are 11-2 and with a run line of 1.5 this year. We both had the same reaction of, whoa, that's a very, very strong trend given right there. What's the juice you have to pay for that run line of the Marlins plus 1.5 against the Braves? This oh, morning, minus I got it. Not terrible. Yeah, it was minus 130 range, I was going to say, when I cashed it in this morning. I bet it this morning. Not bad. Not bad at all for a run line at minus 128 when you're like getting it, a run and I a think. half. I think he does. I think it stands out. Listen, the Braves have I'm won eight of their Craig last Mish. ten. Yeah, well, yeah, for Craig Mish. There you go. And we'll ask, well, yeah, we'll talk to Craig about it later in the week. Yeah, if it doesn't catch, then I'm just going to tell him to go yell at Don Mattingly for me or something, which he's done before. Sure. So, you know what? Let's do it for Craig. Uh, coming up next, we are going to have the former odds maker himself, Dave Sherpin, join the show. I'm going to make him choose between the two run line bets I gave today and which one he picks is going to be my best bet of the day. No pressure, Dave. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, former odds maker, and from here on the grid, it's Dave Sherapan. Dave, you are now repping, I'm pretty sure, your third Major League Baseball team on this show. Now, you're a Yankees fan. Congratulations. Welcome to the party. Yeah, I figure, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, I, I got the nice tight hat. You know, they, they, all they do is win. I the best team in baseball. a lot of other teams that could beat them. I can name you a lot of other teams that could. Be oh, believe me, I don't think I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. But the hat looks nice, Dave. and, and it does. you know you got to you got to talk about the Yankees now, because come you know September, late September or October, we probably won't be talking about them. Okay, wow. fair enough. So you don't choose your bandwagon teams well, which is pretty sad. But anyway, I want to go back to what I was talking about in the last segment. I gave out two run lines, and we were laughing, watching you just shake your head. Oh, I said yeah. Rockies plus one and a half and Marlins plus one and a half, taking two home dogs. Which one do you like best so I could hand in my best bet of the day? I Honestly, Big A, I like them both. I really, oh, really you. like them both. But You're I just only, as helpful I mean, as Ben. 
No, no, no. Listen, if we got to pick one, in these situations, you know, people would come to the counter and say, all right, which one do you like more? And I'd say, well, I like them both. We'll, we'll pick one. Whichever one I pick is probably going to – I don't want to kibosh or put the Maloik on it and, and lose. But let's go against the worst pitcher in that situation, right? And Weathers' numbers are bad. Hmm. I really – in Colorado, over the course of the season – has been great at home. So if you're making me pick, as much as I love that Miami pick, and that one is, is I mean, it's just, they're so close, I can't tell you. But if I have to pick one for you today to put out there into the the, the, the space, which I know you're going to put into the space because you're everywhere too, I think it's Colorado. I think so. Okay. Shimmy's going well, to Colorado. Dave. Ooh. Dave, I think Ariel said as we went, yeah, oh, there it was. I was going to ask you to do the shoulder shimmy because that oh, might easy. be Ariel's TV dub for today. So, Dave, I have a question for you, though, about run lines when it comes to Major League Baseball because I think casual bettors look at a Major League Baseball card and they just pick straight up money line winners or that's where they look with most of their attention. How do you advise people on how to bet the run line when it comes to MLB? Oh, pregame. Plus one and a half plus money or something, you know, like these today, like that Miami's only minus 128. It's so strong, in especially in years past. It's a little bit different this year. Or now, it was great the first three months when runs weren't being scored. But the power of getting a run and a half in a game where the total is eight, eight and a half, I mean, that's a big percentage, right? You, you you can't get that number unless you're taking a really bad football team in a really low total game. You know, if you take six in a game where there's 50 is the total, think about that ratio versus taking one, in a, I mean, one and a half in a game where it's seven and a half, eight, or eight and a half. It's a big difference. So it's huge. And, we've you know, we've done the shows on, on in-game live as well. You see these run lines. Sometimes the lines get so over-adjusted. I always mm-hmm. like to take runs, and I'm okay with laying some juice. I mean, I'm not saying you got to lay two dollars. That's that's just that's lunacy. You don't want to do that. But you get a run and a half, and you only have to lay one twenty-five with a team that Ariel just said in these situations would be eleven and two. That's a bargain, and we're not laying juice. We're just uh, you know making a good play. Now Dave is making me want to choose the Marlins play. So this is just a back and forth. I, get, I took both. I just That's the worst part about a best bet is you give out one and you might go one and one, which in baseball is good. Now I do want to get your thoughts because Yanni the Greek came on the show last week. He told us that a lot of the times he gives out baseball bets and people get mad because it's baseball and you're going to lose. Now he goes and he's going to profit long term. He said it's quantity in baseball over quality. How different is baseball for betting as opposed to sports like the NFL, which are just once a week? Oh, the baseball betting is is the super grind. Like these are the guys that do the baseball betting consistently. I say are the ultimate grinders. I mean, it is showing up for work every day. And like if you take three or four days off, which you can do. You miss so much, and you lose what the value. Like books adjust numbers, not daily. You know, the, it it takes three or four days. A baseball series is three or four games. You know, a lot of times. So you see a number that should be adjusted that's not until the next series or until the next pitcher start. So I think there's an advantage in doing it. Um, 
plus you can just get in a rhythm with this everyday stuff like you baseball has a natural rhythm to it in betting it and booking it and it's hard don't get me wrong it's a lot of commitment you know the guys in the room that did it didn't like doing it i was a baseball guy so i didn't mind it but um i got deferred to a lot they're like yeah i'm gonna read about you know the uh the big tens uh outlook and and try to get who's the backup tackle at wisconsin in case this guy goes down i mean there's a lot of people doing that work me i'm watching baseball and i'm, I'm looking at numbers so uh you know yanni's right like it's you can't expect results one day although betting baseball favorites in the last 10 days has been pretty good <laughs> it's been pretty easy you don't have to do much you just kind of bet every favorite and you're good but that's going to turn and that's going to turn very soon Dave, I think as you were waiting to come on to the show, you saw our last segment of the K-Props, and you saw the frustration we had at some of those very sharp numbers for the strikeout props. When numbers are getting so sharp in the prop market, is there any edge left to be had, or should betters look to other areas? Oh, man, I would look to other areas. And the the K-Props, it's not so much about the pitcher for me for the K-Props. It's the lineup the pitcher is going against. And I think if you can get that information where maybe, you know, somebody's taking a day off, somebody is is getting, a um, you know, maybe a skip start or, you know, something, you might have an edge there. But there's no edges now in these K-Props. I mean, you know, the edges, like, you know, Big A said, that, that was three months ago when we, you know, bookmakers and odds makers were trying to figure out what the numbers should be and now you have four and a half months of you know data to kind of make a number well that's how the numbers get better and it's tough i mean you know i was listening to the miley argument and i thought oh this got to be an over and then i heard the number because i thought you were going to tell me it was three and a half or four and a half and it was five and a half i'm like that's a pass i mean that's just too hard and then I like the Frankie one too. Only be I, if, if I have to decide between the two, I think it's Frankie only because of the White Sox lineup right now, swinging and missing a lot of balls. I watched almost every you know pitch of the weekend series. The Iowa game was incredible, and you know the rest of the series was great. So I think I would lean that one if I was. But but there's no edge. I think the edge is gone. Dave Sharapin, former odds maker, and from here on Sports Grid, joining us on the morning after. Dave, when it comes to the NFL preseason, we've got to talk about unders. These unders were hitting at an incredible rate. Only two games went over in the preseason for week one. Everyone else, including the Hall of Fame game, has gone under. How do you expect the odds makers to adjust for week two of the preseason? So it's so funny because um, if for the Hall of Fame game, I was on the shows and talking about it. I said I would make the number 31 and let everybody bet over because there's not going to be that many scoring opportunities. There's just not. And then when they get close, they mess them up, settle for a lot of field goals. This is just the theme, the pattern. But this has been established for a number of years now. Now we don't have preseason last year. We have all this stuff going on, worried about you know number of vaccinations, all this other stuff. And I see these numbers, and I'm like, 37, 36 and a half. Like, these numbers got to be, you got to start at 33, I think. It at least gives someone a pause to go, wow, I can't just bet under. I mean, now that's, that's not a lot of points. So I think what you'll see now 
is the consistency of talking about like baseball betting and stuff, and it's every day. Books won't adjust too much. Now, the numbers will get tighter, and instead of 35, 36, you're going to see 33, 34. And people are going to just fall into the trap. Oh, it's preseason. You just bet under. Next week, we'll be talking on Monday, and we'll be laughing that I'll say at least equal or more games in the NFL preseason week two will go over their totals than under. It's Mm. not that easy. It is that week. And, man, there's a lot of people that on Gambling Twitter, they may be starting handicapping services. Maybe they're going on vacation based on what they did over the weekend. That's great. But season starts in a month, so just ramp up, you know, and today, I mean, you could lay the price on the Yankees if you'd like. You're looking right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, and for the first couple of preseason games we have posted, you're seeing a 36-and-a-half, a 37, a 33, and then a lot of the other games that have a side and a, uh, and a spread so far, the totals are locked. So I think the FanDuel Sportsbook is listening <laughs> and trying to accumulate what that best total margin would be because Dave we saw across 16 games week one of the NFL preseason the average margin or the average total final score 31.9 points per game so from a bookmaking perspective whether it be the preseason or the regular season how much did you take into effect something in the NFL on a week-to-week basis how much would you learn from a previous Sunday and let that affect the line for the following week it's kind of like the it's kind of like the cape rocks the cape props ben where you gotta see who's doing what and like i mean you could just you should just make the ravens seven like the ravens just cover every preseason game it doesn't matter what you make the line but you can't make it too high because eventually they're not so you're always when you're making the number you're making it for what i call the bad guys you know, the guys that are going to come in and hammer the limit, number, whatever you take, they're going to bet it. So you can't, if you make it 34 and your first bet is over from the bad guys, you're too low. You need to be at a number where they're going to bet it under. So I think that's where you're seeing the, the, the kind of a holdup. Plus, you just don't know who's playing. Like, if you guys tell me, if you if you got all these Twitter followers and all this other stuff... Text me or tweet me, please, on who to follow to tell me who's playing. Because the books don't know either. And that's the hardest part about booking this stuff. Like, we can't wait for the regular season to start because we know who's playing. At least starting, you know, there's an injury report. This preseason, they're like, yeah, this guy's going to get two two snaps. This guy's going to get two series. This other people may play the first half. Maybe not. We don't even know who's kicking in some of these games. It's it's so hard. It's, It's really tough. But, again... All these people, listen to the show. Enjoy that first week of unders because it ain't going to happen again. They have only about 30 seconds. Reverse line movement also proved that it didn't matter. I mean, even in that Ravens game, it went from minus 2.5 to minus 1 on the Ravens. How much are you taking into consideration line movements in preseason? I think you got to pay attention more week two than you do week one. There's a lot more steam and a lot more knowledgeable opinion in week two than week one, especially for those totals. We'll see how these lines move as we get closer to week two of the preseason, and no one better to help break it all down with us than the former odds maker himself, Dave Sharapan. Now, also, I've realized that you are about to become a Ravens fan and a Yankees fan with me because you, you mentioned the Ravens. <laughs> not Ravens. Yeah, you are. Not yeah, Ravens. You are. I'm Steelers guy. I oh, can't yep. do the Ravens ever. Pittsburgh background? The Pittsburgh background? Oh, yeah. 
He's, he's going to be a Ravens fan now. He's going to back him in the preseason. Ravens, Yankees, Sherapan's going to be an Epstein soon. Thank you so much, Dave Sherapan, for coming on. See you next week. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time for our best bets of the day. Let's get to to bet to us part. This is now the third segment in a row that I have mentioned this bet, which means, oi, this is not going to go well. Okay, I love the Colorado Rockies plus one and a half on the run line today. It's minus 130 range on the FanDuel Sportsbook. First off, I was between this and the Miami Marlins at plus one and a half to give out. Dave Sharapan, former odds maker, comes on the show last segment. He said if he had to choose, he says Rockies run line. We're going Rockies. They have been 23-10 and 10 when booked as a home dog on the run line this year, which means they're hitting at a clip of just under 70%. In the three games where the pitcher for the Padres, Ryan Weathers, has gone up against this Rockies team, the Rockies have won all three of those games against the Padres. The Rockies also have their starter, uh, Antonio Santatella, on the mound, and the Rockies have won five straight home games when he's pitched. Give me the plus one and a half on the Colorado Rockies today. Ben, what do you got? Ariel, I would really love to take an under of an NFL preseason game, but I guess instead I'll take an under of the exact game that you are mentioning. The total for the Rockies and the Padres tonight in Denver is 12 and a half. It just seems way too inflated to me, especially that the Rockies have the eighth highest under percentage at home at Coors Field this year at 54.4%. It's the thought at altitude that a ton of runs are scored. I think that number is way too high. Seven of the 11 home games for the Rockies since the All-Star break at Coors Field would be under this number of 12.5. So I go to the under of that 12.5 for the Rockies and the Padres. A little same-game parlay between you and I for our best bets today. Don't leave out Tom Vecchio. DFS Tom came on and he gave out his home run prop, which was CJ Crone to hit a home run today in this game. If you Mm. were to take that, the under, and a money line on the Rockies, it's plus 1,476. Ah, it's tempting. Thanks for joining us here on the morning after on SportsGrid. For Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on the grid. Good luck to your bets tonight.